0: Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show, I'm Bridget Maloney.
1: And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney, and this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you've got this. This is uh, Dr. Pat, I'm here with Bridget, and today it's Bleeding in Early Pregnancy bleeding and spotting in early pregnancy can be really frightening. We've got our own experience of Bridget having a big bleed when she was seven weeks pregnant and it came as such a shock and I remember feeling anxious and thinking we'd lost the baby and even with my expert knowledge being really scared. This episode is about giving you the knowledge so you know what to ignore and what to have investigated and to help give you that sense of calm as you try and navigate the waters of early pregnancy.
0: So, Dr. Pat, this week, have you got any little tidbits for us?
1: Some more good news this week. Two of my patients who've been having ovulation induction got pregnant this week.
0: Oh, that's very exciting. That's great.
1: So uh, so these, these are both women with polycystic ovarian syndrome who have needed some uh, medication to help them get pregnant. And uh, as we've covered in a previous podcast, it can be tricky to get the dose right. Um, we want enough to get pregnant and not enough to have twins. That's that's the ideal amount of uh, ovulation induction medication to give. Twin pregnancies can be very happy and very normal, but they can also be a little complex. And the right way to go with ovulation induction is to try and get people pregnant one baby at a time. So we've nailed that twice this week. I'm pretty happy about that.
0: That's good. And coincidentally, these women don't know each other, do they? No. No. But in in the waiting room, like, have they sort of... Keep going. Uh, how you going?
1: Yeah, I don't know what people talk about in the waiting room. I'm never in there. But <laughs> I do know. I, I mean, I guess the pregnant women who can tell that the other woman's pregnant would always say hello and ask where you're up to. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the gynae patients talk about or the people who aren't pregnant yet talk about them. I'm, <laughs> I'm never out there.
0: Yeah. Okay. So all of you who are listening uh, and you're wondering about ovulation, I would suggest you pop back to episode two where we talk about what is ovulation and what is ovulation induction. Anyway, so here we are. We are talking about bleeding in early pregnancy, which is a really anxious time when you have a spot or you might have a bright red bleed or, you know, there's so many variations that you get. You know, there's a lot of discharge, isn't there, when you're uh, in early pregnancy?
1: Sure.
0: So, um, Paddy, I'm going to talk about what a woman might experience. Her period's late. She's had her pee on a stick and it's come back positive, but she's got some spotting. What's what's going on there?
1: So that's a really common um, situation that we see at, uh, at work a lot. And it's uh, an anxious time for the couple because one of the possibilities is early miscarriage. And that's where our mind goes to first. Thankfully, most of the time when there's bleeding in early pregnancy, it's not a miscarriage, actually. But um, we need to keep an eye on that um, situation until we can reliably um, reassure that woman that, that things are fine. So some of the possibilities are are that it's something called an implantation bleed, which is, remember, the egg comes out of the ovary. It's picked up by the trumpet end of the fallopian tube and about halfway down the tube it meets up with the sperm coming up the other way. Uh, Fertilisation, where the sperm um, penetrates the egg, happens in the tube and then the tube will push the fertilised egg down back into the body of the uterus where it implants and all of that takes time. So somewhere around that sort of four to five week mark in early pregnancy, four to five weeks since the last period, the fertilised egg is literally implanting into the into the lining of the uterus, which has got all thick to be ready to receive it. And that process can cause bleeding. And sometimes that's all the bleeding is.
0: And what what, you know, we get a bit obsessed with the type of bleeding. So... What sort of, is that just like brown spotting or is it like bright red or, or what should a woman expect from implantation b- bleeding?
1: That's usually pink spotting. Pink. Yeah. And, and but any bleeding needs some attention because uh, we just don't know whether it's a miscarriage or an implantation bleed or nothing or whatever. So uh, the appropriate things to do is to catch up with your uh, local doc or you might be seen in a hospital emergency department after hours and they'll check you over and make sure that you basically well and then it's to work out what's going on with the pregnancy and of course the appropriate test is ultrasound if the ultrasound shows a pregnancy that's in the uterus with the heart beating tick Mm. regardless of the cause of the bleed we know things are fine yeah and if it shows an empty uterus or if the woman's very unwell with pain or a dozen different possible scenarios then each of those has got their appropriate further testing and investigation.
0: Yeah. I love that image that you've just put in my mind of the egg, you know, on its journey down the fallopian tube and, you know, everything being pulsed towards yeah. to meet the sperm. And, you know, even the image of the fertilized egg sort of burrowing in to the uterus lining, like that, That you know, it's just such beautiful imagery. It's a beautiful thought, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And sometimes though, it doesn't quite go to plan, does it? And the uh, the fertilized egg might just hang around too long in the fallopian tube
1: and try and implant in the the fallopian tube and that's an ectopic pregnancy and that's one of the things that needs to be seriously considered in when there's bleeding in early pregnancy so uh, with a combination of ultrasounds and some quantitative beta hcg levels the one that gives the number the blood test uh we can work it
0: out so the blood test will tell us whether it's an ectopic will it uh
1: not all by itself yeah um but it's about building a picture where we say, okay, what can we see on ultrasound? What's the blood test telling us? And there's almost a flow chart that helps you work the answer out.
0: Yeah. And if we're investigating an ectopic pregnancy, is there a prime time for an ectopic?
1: Well, an ectopic pregnancy will usually only come to light when it either bursts out of the tube, It gets it's implanted in the tube and it's got too big and it bursts out, and that might happen at seven, eight or nine weeks pregnancy. Or when it's trying to implant somewhere where it shouldn't implant, it causes bleeding. And the bleeding tracks down through the cavity and out the vagina.
0: And that could be at, I don't know, six or seven weeks. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, And that might happen so early, even before the ectopic pregnancy has got an obvious appearance on ultrasound.
0: Okay, so if you have had a suspected ectopic pregnancy, how is that treated?
1: Well, briefly, if an ectopic pregnancy has been proven there are a couple of different types. There might be a pregnancy that's sitting in the fallopian tube and it's known to be there through the testing, but it hasn't burst out of the tube. And they can often be treated. Sometimes they will miscarry by themselves. And sometimes that's a process that just needs to be observed and the blood hormone levels followed back to zero. They can be treated with medication these days, a medication that works a little bit like chemotherapy and goes in there and dissolves the cells. And that can avoid an operation in some situations. But if the ectopic pregnancy has burst out of the tube and it's bleeding and the woman is very unwell, then obviously that needs to be treated with an emergency keyhole operation to go in through the belly button and fix the bleeding and often remove the tube.
0: It's... We've had a very good friend who has had an ectopic pregnancy and she looked dreadful. It's obvious, isn't it, if you've got a burst ectopic. Yeah, most people
1: with a burst ectopic look very unwell. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a hospital emergency department type scenario.
0: Yeah, and over sort of what period of time, if you feel like symptoms are coming along, uh, where are you feeling those symptoms?
1: Of an an ectopic Of a ruptured ectopic? Yeah. Well, I think that that needs to be considered by patients and by doctors of anyone who's known to be pregnant. And has a bleeding and, and severe pelvic pain.
0: Okay. So it's not specifically one-sided or... No. no. It's just incredible pain.
1: So pain, bleeding and known to be pregnant. Yeah. And we've got to look into that.
0: Yeah. So there's lots of reasons why somebody might bleed that doesn't lead to a miscarriage, but what are some of those reasons?
1: Well, the in the early pregnancy, what's happening is that a million little blood vessels are uh, connecting up between the pregnancy and the lining of the mother's uterus. And the and it's a miracle that doesn't bleed all the time. Okay? It probably does bleed all the time, and we just don't see most of them. So um, a lot of that bleeding is harmless. and ultrasound can be used in that setting to show people that the pregnancy is carrying on fine, that the source of the bleeding can't be seen, there's not enough blood to show up on ultrasound and that the baby is fine. And that's what usually happens if a woman presents to a hospital emergency department with bleeding in early pregnancy. And it's one of the reasons why we like to have a a scanner in the department so we can scan people on the spot and say, you're fine. Yeah, go home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know this because, you know, we're in the same household, but you do get some questions, some phone calls uh, at different times of the day and night uh, where someone's had a bright red bleed after
1: sex yep so bleeding after sex in pregnancy worries people as well because they again think it's a miscarriage it's usually not it might be so bleeding after sex in pregnancy needs an ultrasound to investigate see how the pregnancy is going and uh, if everything's fine then we usually advise those couples to stay clear of sex for a couple of weeks wait for everything to settle down and then reintroduce sex again and see how we go
0: And, you know, we do play the blame game a little bit. If by chance we do, then go on and have a miscarriage. We look back on all those things that caused miscarriage. Mm. Um, Do you think that sex does cause miscarriage? No.
1: No, I think that's very clear that it doesn't. We don't know what causes a lot of miscarriages, but we do know that it's usually got something to do with the sperm and the egg not coming together properly in the first place. So if we think about the... Uh, all the DNA from the sperm and all the DNA from the egg, they have to come together and be connected up like a giant zip. And as that zip goes up, mistakes can happen. Um, the wrong bits of DNA hook up with the wrong bits of DNA and, and we wind up with a um, with a, an early pregnancy that's capable of surviving until five or six or seven weeks, but not beyond that. And that's the cause of, of most early pregnancy loss. And whilst it's very sad, there's nothing that can nothing that can really be done to prevent those ones.
0: And I think that's really important point to make because a lot of women sort of blame themselves or their situation or the stress at work or whatever it might be. Yep. But actually, you know, there's no control over how that DNA might zip up. That's a really good analogy. I like that well, that's, idea.
1: That's right. And there, there is no control over that. And I think it's super important that people understand that miscarriage isn't their fault. I saw this beautiful thing on the in the internet somewhere once, just a a woman holding up a a sign that said, presumably to her caregivers, thank you for saying that the miscarriage wasn't my fault. And she just needed to be told that um, because um, we're human beings and we tend to blame ourselves for things. Yeah,
0: and look for causes. And look for causes, that's
1: right. It can be very frustrating to people when a clear cause of their pregnancy loss isn't found. So then they start saying, well, it must have been something I did or didn't do.
0: That's right. And miscarriage is pretty common, isn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a first trimester pregnancy loss is extremely common. And when I see people with a sad first trimester miscarriage, they will tell their family and friends. And at that point, their family and friends will go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that happened to us as well. you know? mm. And thankfully, most people recover from it very well. And most people who were uh, in good psychological health will um, accept that the pregnancy loss uh, happened. They will feel very sad about it and a great sense of disappointment at the start. But that passes in as little as two weeks. And I see people two weeks later for that very reason, because I want to make sure that they're on the right track to emotional recovery. And people at two weeks are very different. They m- Most people... Uh, improving day by day. They've been able to contextualize the early pregnancy loss as something that's very sad, but um, they're already hopeful for the future and almost ready to start trying again.
0: And I, I've heard you say it before, you've got a nice little phrase, which is something like, you might always remember. Oh, loss, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. What I is think, that again?
1: Well, I say I just say to people that the pregnancy loss is something that will be with you forever. So if you're an old, if you're a grandma, and your granddaughter has a miscarriage, you'll say to her, oh, "I had a miscarriage too." So you'll it will be with you your whole life, but it won't hurt. Yeah. for for very long. It, it, people are extremely resilient.
0: Yeah. And those that perhaps do need help, like it will be a trigger where they need to sort of seek help from a psychologist or, you know. Yeah.
1: So a certain number of people, it might be the the mental health straw that yeah. they, you know it's, it goes a bit too far. And, of course, we're talking about people with isolated first trimester pregnancy loss. If you've got recurrent pregnancy loss, that's a different scenario, and it's very sad. It's difficult to treat. But um, when people have a a first trimester miscarriage, most people think that they're going to be that person, that it's going to keep on happening, and perhaps they'll never have a baby. And, of course, that's not true for most people. Most people get pregnant again a few months later, and they're fine. Yeah. Uh, so, if you've had about three miscarriages in a row, or you've got miscarriages that are miscarriages that are suspicious, like they happen really late, then uh, we have to start investigating those people and treating those people. But for most people, it, it doesn't need investigation or treatment. It, it's um, they're not recurrent miscarriages. It's it's an isolated thing.
0: All right. So, someone's experienced a bleed in pregnancy. Every single bleed needs to be investigated. Is there anything that also happens once you have a bleed in terms of their blood grouping or...
1: Yeah, so blood group's relevant at this point. Um, So that if a woman's a negative blood group and has some bleeds in pregnancy, then each one of those needs to be looked at. Uh, That's a part of an issue called rhesus disease, which we'll cover another day, but um, sometimes a bleed in pregnancy is um, of a sufficient volume that we need to treat the woman with with some stuff called anti-D, which will neutralise any positive blood cells, which might have escaped from a, a miscarriage into the mother's
0: system. Mm, I'm very familiar with having my anti-D shot, a, a uh, rhesus negative, so you know many anti-D shots along the... 16 years of having babies. Yeah. It sounds like I've got a lot, but there's only four in there. Four. <laughs> All right. So, Pat, a woman's had a bleed. What's the next step?
1: I think the next step is, um, is for her to be um, assessed by her uh, doctor for uh, an ultrasound to be, to be done to look at the um, wellness of the pregnancy and uh, if she's a negative group for that to be um, taken into consideration as well.
0: And there's a a pregnancy, it's all going well, she goes home and she just carries on her life, but the doctor thinks that she's had a miscarriage. So what are the next steps?
1: Okay, so if we know it's a miscarriage, and we know that for sure, then um, there are a few different possibilities. Um, It may be that the pregnancy ends by itself and comes out by itself, and uh, that can take time, but it's certainly uh, nature's way of just emptying the uterus. And some people are happy to wait for that to happen. There are other situations where the bleeding might be very heavy or painful, or the miscarriage has happened a bit later in the first trimester and there's a lot of material from the pregnancy to come out. And in that situation, a curette can be a better thing to do. little operation to drain the contents of the uterus using suction.
0: And someone's under general anesthetic. Under a
1: general anesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. And which of those is appropriate is a matter for discussion with the doc based on the clinical scenario and how unwell the woman is and what her and what her preferences are.
0: Well, everyone, I know that this has been a very heavy topic. It's normal to feel anxious listening to issues around early pregnancy and and feeling like, well, what if this happens to me? But if you feel like this anxiety is really causing a change to your daily life and impacting on how happy you feel during your daily life, then I think it's time for you to seek some more help. And first stop is probably the Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia website. It's panda.org.au. And they've got a really great uh, mental health checklist and you can do this checklist just to see whether it's time for you to seek some help. All right. Please go and download our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker on our website. And if you haven't already, go to our iTunes account and subscribe to our podcast. And please tell a friend. We really want our information out there for every woman to have a pregnancy that rocks. Bye for now. See you next time.